Johnny Erickson Tata, and you're listening to Michael Easley In Context. Here's a peek at what Michael will be talking about today. There are so many days, Michael, most days. Um, my head is lying on the pillow, my eyes are closed, and I'm already either winning or losing the battle for the day mm. with my eyes closed. I'm thinking about what's ahead, the appointments, the expectations, the routines, and it just feels overwhelming before I've even opened my eyes. Mm. And so before I do open them, I pray, Lord Jesus, I have no strength for this day. God, I am so overwhelmed with this routine, and it hasn't even started I have no strength for it, but Lord Jesus, you do. You have the energy. You have the resources. Would you please get up for me this morning? Because I cannot do it. Just, just fill this instrument, this weak vessel, with your power and your perspective. And when my girlfriend comes into this bedroom to start this routine to get me up, may I welcome her with a smile. Give me your courage for the day. And, and you know what? By 7.30 in the morning... When the routine starts, I do have a smile sent straight from heaven. But I tell you what, it does not come easy. It is rigorous. It is rugged. It is hard fought for, hard won. But I think that's the Christian way to begin a day. For more information, go to michaelincontext.com. And now your host, Dr. Michael Easley. What are your greatest challenges in the morning? When, when you wake up, uh, what comes into your mind? What comes into your head about the day? Is it staying in the marriage? Is it staying in the job, the fight at work? Is it one of your kids that is breaking your heart? Is it uh, a health issue, a financial issue? We all have them. Pain is the common denominator. It comes in different doses and different times. But today on the broadcast, we have the extraordinary privilege of talking to a fellow pilgrim, a suffering pilgrim, unlike any I have ever known. Johnny's story may or may not be familiar to you, but as we talk for these two programs, you'll get to peek into a person's heart who lives with a disability that few understand and all the multiple complications of that. And as you hear her story, it will embolden you to how you face your struggles, how I face my struggles. Welcome to the program today. It's a delight. It's an honor. It's a privilege. It's just downright fun to have Johnny Erickson Tata in the studio virtually today. Johnny, thanks for coming on. Oh, absolutely, Michael. Anytime I can spend a couple of minutes with you and your friends, to me, is uh, it's bolstering to my heart. Well, you know, you have become one of Cindy's and my, uh, not just not just literal hero, but just a dear, dear friend in the past five, six years. And we just, we so cherish any time we get with you and Ken, and it's always a delight to see you. And, and now we can do this without somebody else telling us what to do. (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, For those that might not know, a young 17 year old athletic specimen dove one last time into a lake. And as a result became a quadriplegic. Johnny has been in a wheelchair for, is this the 47th year? Well, I'm coming up on 47 years, and I'll tell you, Michael, I am not going to believe the lie that I am too old or too disabled to do this. Mm. So I'm going to believe that despite the pain, 
despite the uh, challenges of just getting me up in the morning in a wheelchair, I can do this. I, I, I can do this. And Michael, I was so grateful to sense, a, a, I don't know how you, it was just a wave of fresh grace entering my heart. It's amazing to me constantly how prayer is such a means of grace that when we pray unceasingly here, there, and everywhere, long prayers, short prayers, on the spot, on the moment intercessions or petitions, mm -hmm. God uses it as an incredible means of grace. That's unbelievable. And you and I have talked many, many times and I'll correspond a lot through email. I marvel at your stamina because I'm not in a wheelchair. I just live with chronic pain and I feel like a wimp when I hear what you do and <laughs> the tenacity that you have. Um, Johnny, you went through about two years of rehabilitation post your injury. Um, after that time, you were painting some fabulous artwork uh, using uh, your teeth and a brush, and you've had to retire from that uh, because of the, the pain it creates in your cervical region, correct? That's correct. It's just been a little too hard, too challenging for me to wheel up to my easel, park the brakes, and twist my neck this way and that, and mm -hmm. lean to the left, to the right, just to make all these exacting brush strokes. Uh, I realized somewhere along the line that probably all those many years of painting and the many years that I drove my own van, I know that sounds crazy, but yes, quadriplegics can drive. The van did not have a steering wheel, but that's another story. Right, right. <laughs> but all the years I was twisting and leaning over to uh, steer and brake the van uh, and even to you know manage my, my um, um, brush strokes at the art easel, it, it, it was doing pretty significant damage to my spine. Mm -hmm. So. Help us understand, how can a quadriplegic who has no use, per se, of your limbs, um, how can you sense pain? That is a good question, and I can't, I just can't, I, I don't know the answer to that. All I know is that for 30 years, I had no pain. I mean, if I were to close my eyes, I could have imagined that below my neck, I was just sitting on blocks of concrete. That's what it just felt like. I felt like my body was a big block of concrete. But as soon as I crested 50 years of age and went through, um, uh, forgive my immodesty, menopause, oh my goodness. Mm. Um, suddenly I began experiencing uh, searing pain in my hip and lower back and my shoulders. I, I still insist that that menopause had something to do with it, but mm. Doctors say, no, it's just an anomaly of, of spinal cord injury quadriplegia. As spinal cord injured quadriplegics get older, um, they just have an increasing level of um, this inside kind of pain. And I wish that there were a drug for it, but yeah. there isn't. Uh, n no medication can really touch this. It's a, it is a strange anomaly. It is um, um, connected only with spinal cord injury. So... For me, it's just a matter of taking deep breaths, deep breathing, stretching often, drinking lots of water, uh, making certain I'm sitting up properly, getting good rest, eating right, um, taking anti-inflammatories, mm -hmm. anything I can do to live well and uh, lean hard on the grace of God. Mm -hmm. Johnny, you had to face yet another issue with uh, breast cancer. I mean, when does this stop? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I, I, I can um, resonate with what you're saying. When does it stop? Well, you know what? On this side of eternity, 
Um, the Bible tells us that in this world we will have trouble. Those words came from the mouth of our Savior himself. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of, of, of heaven. And elsewhere we are told that First um, Peter 2.21, that's such a mainstay. What's it say, Michael? First Peter 2.21, For this you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Mm. I, it, Michael, I cannot tell you how often I think of that verse. Mm. And it, it touches me deeply that, that my Savior, Jesus, dying on the cross, going through unthinkable, unbearable, excruciating pain, even while he was on his, quote, deathbed, he's reaching out to others. Mm. He's ministering to the thief dying next to him on the cross. He's counseling his mother. He's advising his, his best friend, uh, the, the Apostle John, at the foot of the cross. He, he, he's, he's still at his greatest point of need, crushing, bruising need. He's thinking of others. That's the example that you just talked about in First mm. Peter mm. Uh, chapter 2. That, that's the example that we are to follow. It's, um, it sets a high bar. But you know what? Uh, the Holy Spirit resides within us to give us strength, to give us courage, to give us the enablement, the divine unctioning needed to, to follow in Jesus' steps. And I keep thinking, Michael, of that rich welcome the Bible speaks of. Mm -hmm. One day we will enjoy a rich welcome into heaven. And I want to do all I can down here on earth to enlarge my eternal estate. Mm. I mean, sometimes my days are miserable. They're just knock my head on the wall. I can't stand living like this. Mm -hmm. and, and, and when I start thinking that way, which incidentally is so real, it's so honest, it's so human, I remember that if I persevere, I am enlarging my eternal estate. Mm -hmm. I am increasing my capacity for worship and service and joy in heaven. And the finish line isn't all that far away. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. I can almost hear the cheering crowds yeah. in the grandstands of heaven. Mm -hmm. And I know that's what spurs me on, and I hope that spurs our friends on today mm -hmm. listening. We're talking to Johnny Erickson Tata, author of more than 50 books. Johnny has served on the National Council of Disability and Disability Advisory Committee for the United States Department. She is a senior associate for disability concerns for the Luzanne Conference of World Evangelization, advisory capacity to the American Leprosy Society, the National Institute on Learning Disabilities, on and on and on it goes what you're involved in. And in all this, you and I have shared on John Ankerberg's show on a, a number of occasions, um, it, it takes you two, two people two hours to get you ready in the morning and two people two hours to put you to bed at night. That sounds like a lot, doesn't it? It is a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. I, I whine oh about goodness. having to get up and take some, you know, pills to take the edge off my pain. And I, I think of you, you know, how often I think of you in the morning and pray for you and go, my word, here I am whining because I feel like a gravel truck ran over me. And that poor woman is taking two people two hours just to get her functional. Well, there are many days and perhaps your listeners have heard me say this, but it bears repeating. There are so many days, Michael, most days. Um, my head is lying on the pillow, my eyes are closed, and I'm already either winning or losing the battle for the day mm. with my eyes closed. I'm thinking about what's ahead, the appointments, the expectations, the routines, and it just feels overwhelming before I've even opened my eyes. 
And so before I do open them, I pray, Lord Jesus, I have no strength for this day. Mm. I can't stand the thought of another bed bath, more toileting routines, someone giving my legs range of motion exercises, giving me a bed bath, strapping on my corset, putting on my leg bag, pulling up my support hose, pulling on my slacks, slinging me into a wheelchair, pushing me to the bathroom, brushing my teeth, brushing my hair. God, I am so overwhelmed with this routine and it hasn't even started. I have no strength for it, but Lord Jesus, you do. You have the energy. You have the resources. Would you please get up for me this morning? Because I cannot do it. Mm-hmm. Just just fill this instrument, this weak vessel, with your power and your perspective. And when my girlfriend comes into this bedroom to start this routine to get me up, may I welcome her with a smile. Give me your courage for the day. And, and you know what? By 7.30 in the morning... When the routine starts, I do have a smile sent straight from heaven. But I tell you what, it does not come easy. It is rigorous. It is rugged. It is hard fought for, hard won. But I think that's the Christian way to begin a day. Mm. Mm. God forbid I should be the kind of person who would hit the alarm, throw back the covers, jump out of bed, take a quick shower, scarf down breakfast, give God a tip of the hat of a quiet time, and then zoom out the front door and automatic cruise control. Mm. Too, too, too many Christians live that way. No, and I don't I, think that's the, that's the Christian way to wake up. You've got to wake up needing Jesus desperately. A passage I return to again and again and again, I, I've sent countless people through hand notes and email uh, notes, uh, is 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 7, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our afflictions so that purpose clause we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God for just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance we don't talk about that a lot do we so also our comfort is abundant through Christ But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, Paul's writing. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is the effect, which is effective and the patient enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. Johnny, how, how do we put shoe leather on that i mean it's it's wonderful language it's it's otherworldly language but when when you are at your dark places when i am when the afflictions are winning our emotions and our minds um is is how do you articulate somehow god's using this to comfort somebody else well i think that the insidious thing about suffering is that it it demands to have a man alone It's just like sin in that regard. It demands to have you alone. But God never intended for any of us to suffer alone. In fact, as you were reading, Michael, uh, that passage, I kept thinking how, um, as we share today, um, our our struggles and yet our victories uh, with these wonderful anchors from God's word, we're not alone. There are a lot of people listening to us who are feeling overburdened by the 24-7 nonstop day-to-day routines that just are wearing them down. 
from pain or a difficult family situation, perhaps caring for someone with a disability in the family, maybe a child or an elderly parent, and they are gaining strength. They are being built up. They are being enriched and encouraged by these wonderful scriptural anchors that we're sharing. Uh, Yes, the sufferings of Christ come to us in abundance, but so does God's comfort. And I think if we can just break beyond the, the prison walls of silence and share our heartfelt needs and our weaknesses and just tell a close intimate friend, I can't do this anymore. I, I need you to pray for me. That friend could very well be the means of grace to which God will pour out his enablement upon you. Mm. So I think one way to put shoe leather on it is to call up a friend, confess your weaknesses, um, describe your propensity to become bitter against God when the pain seems overwhelming, um, ask for help. Uh, these are all good ways to create spiritual community around yourself when you're feeling so alone in the midst of your suffering. Johnny, you mentioned alone. And of course, that we couldn't have scripted that any better. Um, there's a song of recent newsworthiness alone yet not alone As we've listened to that, Johnny, tell us a little bit of the backstory. How did they come to you to sing it? Um, I can see Ken in there pushing your diaphragm, helping you work on that song. That's right. Well, um, I should say that it was last year around this time that I was at the same National News Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, and I was the main speaker for the closing banquet. And in my message, I wove hymns of the faith in and out of my uh, points, um, I would speak a little and then I would sing a hymn to um, illustrate the point I had just made. So I must have sung about, I don't know, seven or eight hymns in this speech. And afterward, friends came up to me. Um, I learned later on that they were connected with the production of the movie Alone Yet Not Alone. And they asked if I would be willing to to record the theme song for their movie of the same name. And my first honest-to-goodness response to them was, are you sure you don't want Amy Grant 
Mm. I mean, she's a singer. I, I I don't make a career of it. I'm a I'm a disability advocate. I I'm not a I'm not a professionally trained vocalist. But um, they were insistent. They said no. The fact that I was in this wheelchair, they felt, um, would give credence and depth to the performance of that song. Well, they weren't kidding because I agreed to do it. And uh, last fall, I was in a little recording studio in Santa Monica, California, and I needed God's strength singing that song. Uh, my husband had to, oh, he had to push on my diaphragm to help me get enough lung power to hit the high notes, at least on somewhat good pitch. And I didn't realize it at the time, but there was a video camera. They were videoing um, me recording this song. And then it ends up on YouTube, and people actually have a chance to observe how desperately hard I am leaning on God and my husband and on prayer to perform this song. And when I listened to it after it was finished, I, I, I thought, Michael, that's not me. Is that my voice? Oh, mm -hmm. my goodness. Mm -hmm. And I felt that the Lord somehow in some way must have graced must have anointed that ballad in a very personal way uh, during that recording session because it certainly was listened to by a great many people, not the least of which is a lot of people yeah. in the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences who voted for the song to be nominated an Oscar, which to me was, was quite an honor. Mm -hmm. It's hard to stop talking with Johnny. She's such a compelling individual, such a great story, such a great attitude. And she always encourages me, and I hope she will encourage you as well. Well, on part two of our interview with Johnny, we'll pick up the story about the controversy of her song. But for now, I want to take you back to where we began. What are you struggling with? What are the challenges? What are the difficulties? What are the things that keep you back? You, you look at a room like Johnny looked at that overwhelms you. You look at a life, a day. You look at your marriage. You look at your kids. You look at some situation, your finances, and it just overwhelms you. What are you going to do about it? When I have trouble getting up in the morning because of chronic pain, when my kids make poor choices, when friends of ours go through cancer and all kinds of complications that we face in life, how will you do it? Apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, apart from his spirit indwelling you and me, I don't know how people do it. I marvel that anyone can. But I do know that God loves us, that Christ loves you. He cares deeply about your pain. And his spirit indwells you. If you have trusted Christ and Christ alone is your Savior, the very person of Christ, his Holy Spirit indwells you. He comes alongside. He's our comforter. He comes alongside to help us to do that which we cannot do in the flesh. The most remarkable thing to me about the Christian life is that we're not trying to make the flesh better. We're not trying to be better or smarter sinners. We're trying to be controlled by his spirit to follow him, to do his will. So it's that simple. He loves you. He cares about you deeply. He provides his spirit as the one to walk alongside and comfort you. And when you and I expend our resources, there's no place else to go except him. So why don't we go to him first? This is Michael Easley in Context. Thank you for listening to Michael Easley in Context. 
If you have questions or comments, please let us know at michaelincontext.com. Follow Michael on Twitter at Dr. Easley. For more information, go to michaelincontext.com. Thank you for listening to Michael Easley in Context.